All right, everybody. I hope your week is going amazing. Welcome back to the Demetria Obalor Show. It's so good to have you guys on board. Thank you so much for rating, subscribing, reviewing the podcast, and of course, watching on YouTube where I post the full length videos. First, we're going to start with music. And I don't know if it's that I'm getting older or if music legitimately is just getting worse. I'm starting to feel like my grandma. Yeah, this isn't real music. (laughs) We'll kick things off with that. Let's do it. What's your preferred way of listening to music? Are you still a radio person? I know you don't still buy CDs, do you? I know a lot of people listen to Spotify or YouTube. For me, it's mostly Apple Music. And now that I'm really thinking of it, the last album I probably bought was Kanye West's 808s and Heartbreak or... Lupe Fiasco's The Cool. Do you remember that album? That was a really good album. And a lot has changed in the past decade in how we listen to music. But unfortunately for everyone, the quality of what we're listening to has fell into the abyss. Despite artists breaking chart records and doing these massive tours. And before I go deeper... I just want to say that I am not dissing any artist. I partake in modern music. I enjoy it. I blast it in my car and I am not knocking anyone's hustle. But no one's buying albums anymore. And now it seems that artists are reduced to getting paid fractions of what prior generations did. So now we gauge success by how well a song does on TikTok. I put out a tweet earlier this week about it. And this is what I said. People want to compare all these artists to Michael Jackson, talking about sales, but today's music is not globally timeless. A lot of music is good for a month, tops. MJ's music is good for all time. Billie Jean, Thriller. Some people were saying a month is too generous. A lot of today's music is TikTok food. And another person said Michael Jackson achieved his status where social networks were nothing. I have to admit, I'm a little biased here because I love Michael Jackson, but that's always the example I give because I, I just love Michael Jackson. And for me, I mean, my upbringing was very diverse, okay? I have a broad taste in music. My shuffle will include everything from Led Zeppelin to Burn a Boy, back to ABBA, Fall Out Boy, my emo phase, Elvis, Prince, Jay-Z, Mariah, The Cure. It's all there. But the thing is, for me, Michael, Michael Jackson is the greatest. Michael's music united continents across racial lines. And for me... In my humble opinion, that's where Elvis and the Beatles will always fall short. And that does not take away from their greatness. That music is also globally timeless. But once again, in my humble opinion, no one did it like Michael Jackson and how things are looking, no one ever will. I mean, does anyone have the entire world singing their songs right now, line for line? I'm just saying. Think about it. Debate me. Now, the landscape of boxing changed dramatically this week as Paramount announced that it would be shutting down Showtime Boxing after nearly four decades at the end of this year. Showtime Boxing has aired some of the biggest fights in boxing history. I'm talking about Hagler, Mugabe, the biggest brawls, Tyson, Holyfield, the bite fight, right? Yeah, Mayweather, Pacquiao, Wilder Fury. And of course, this year, Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia, that super fight, and then the long-awaited, undisputed welterweight champion 
championship fight between Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. The main provider of fights on Showtime since 2013 has been PBC. That's Al Heyman's premier boxing champions, home of Canelo, the face of boxing right now, Tank Davis, Wilder, Spence, the Charlo twins. Now, PBC had an exclusive deal with Showtime and is now looking for a broadcast partner. ESPN says PBC is exploring deals with Amazon Prime and DAZN. Now, it'd be really interesting to see if PBC could find a home at Amazon considering they already have Thursday night football. And according to various sports outlets, Amazon is saying they will be more aggressive in pursuing rights for other sports properties. Now, you'll remember HBO, for example, parted ways with boxing back in 2018. So yeah, the landscape has changed drastically. Is boxing falling out of the spotlight or is this about the business of media and broadcast? I mean, with all of the streaming sites we already pay for, I mean, are people still willing to pay an additional $79.99 to see a boring fight like what we saw with Canelo and Charlo? Spence versus Crawford, I mean, that was a spectacle, but how often do we really get to see a fight like that? According to boxing insider Dan Raphael via Bleacher Report, Crawford vs. Spence pulled in at least 650,000 pay-per-view buys and drew a gate of over $20 million at Vegas' T-Mobile Arena. Now, the big fight that happened this year, Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia, that sold 1.2 million in pay-per-view buys. But Mayweather is still the money man in that department. Mayweather vs. Pacquiao, for example, has the most boxing pay-per-view buys of all time, with 4.4 million in the U.S. alone. That's the biggest selling fight of all time, people. Mayweather's got the next few spots. I mean, Mayweather McGregor, that was huge. Mayweather De La Hoya, Mayweather Canelo, and then finally rounding out the top five, Tyson Evander Holyfield, part two. Paramount also announced that it's selling Bellator, which has been the number two mixed martial arts promotion behind the UFC. Now, considering how dominant the UFC already is, and now that it's merged with the WWE to form a $21.4 billion sports entertainment company, the fight pie just got incredibly smaller, especially when it seems like a new generation of viewers are more interested in seeing their favorite YouTuber fight, no shade, no shade, or even tag team boxing, which I literally just saw in the last Logan Paul match. Yeah, is the age of social media watering down the sweet science? Or have boxing promotion companies done themselves a disservice having boxers pick the easy fights to maintain the undefeated title like some critics would say? Can boxing compete with the brawl of the UFC, feeding its audience a barrage of fights every Saturday? I'm dying to hear your thoughts on this. You know, I'm a huge fight fan and, you know, up next, the big one that I'm waiting for. And I always want to hear your takes on it. We've got the big crossover UFC boxing battle of former heavyweight Francis Ngannou and boxing's heavyweight champion Tyson Fury. Any predictions? Let me know. I want to hear from you. Now, this is just about the time college football starts getting good and bowl projections become clear, early hype dies off, and we start getting a better sense of where everyone really stands. Plus, college basketball starts next month, and I'm in good spirits. My alma mater, KU, sitting at the top of the top 25, rock chalk to that. I mean, even though the program is on probation, yeah, this just came out this week. Um, they were on probation following the conclusion of a 2017 college basketball corruption case where more than 20 schools were accused of giving players and their families impermissible benefits. We're talking about cash, hotel rooms, flights, meals, things like that. Schools like Texas, Kentucky, LSU, Duke, Notre Dame, Clemson, Louisville, and Alabama were implicated. It's not just KU, don't be hating. 
Head coaches were fired, you'll remember. Administrators stepped down. Schools were fined. And just now, this week, it was announced that KU had to vacate its 2018 Final Four appearance and wins from that season. A lot of this probably would not have happened if NIL was around back then. That's name image likeness. California was the first to pass legislation for NIL, forcing the NCAA's hand back in 2021 to allow college athletes to get endorsements. Now, a majority of states have followed suit. You'll see the stories. Angel Reese, for example, I mean, she just partnered up with Reebok. She is bringing in the dough. But California is taking things to another level when it comes to its College Athlete Protection Act, which passed the California Assembly this past June. So if the California Senate approves and Governor Newsom signs it, it would require state universities to participate in revenue sharing. Under the act, state colleges and universities would be required to share a percentage of its revenue with athletes participating in football and men and women's basketball. Depending on the team's annual revenue, athletes could receive up to $25,000 every year. And then anything more than that would be placed in a trust so players can earn the money if they complete an undergrad degree with Within six years of enrollment, which I get, but could definitely see the circumstances where that would not be fair, especially when the top names in college sports don't often complete their degrees because they're ready for the NFL draft or the NBA, and they want to get to that level and take advantage of their youth. Shouldn't you get the money that you're entitled to? I don't think it's fair that they would have to forfeit that. But if it passes, a lot of this would go into effect in 2024 when USC and UCLA are expected to join the Big Ten, which means big money for those schools, money that would make its way into the hands of student athletes. We're talking about those six-figure payouts. It's certainly a step in the right direction. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll have seen this post I made about paying for dates. It's an old post. I like to recycle content because I'm going to work smarter, not harder, and I'm making content throughout the week. And so for me, I like to kind of keep posting, feeding that algorithm. I'm like, I'm going to post this stuff, all right? And um, I post this one like maybe once or twice a year because the comments always go crazy. You asked to split the date, split the cost or anything. It's not a date. Of course, I have no problem, you know, treating my man, of course. Until then, I mean, if you invite me, you have to pay. The gist of what I said was if a man invites you on a date, he should pay for it and he should go somewhere he can afford to pay for it <laughs> that was the whole point point. and then the comment section goes crazy I love it yeah it's like clockwork but this time all hell really broke loose suddenly I mean I'm being called all sorts of names people are saying I'm gonna die single deflecting their dating horrors onto my perspective failing to comprehend anything that I just said using it as an opportunity to trash women and sometimes men I mean, there are about 9,000 comments under that thing. You should really go check it out. Uh, but it's really no different than any modern day comment section on the internet when it comes to relationships. Those posts seem to bring out the absolute worst in people. And I don't know if relationships are the most digestible topics these days, or if it's that the majority of people using social media, which are millennials and Gen Zers, are on the cusp brink of marriage. And so they're up in arms about it. Or if it's that their 90s Disney romance fantasies have been spoiled. Or if they're just tired of feeling broke when listening to a City Girl song. Whatever it is, there's a lot of hurt being spread online. And it's seeping into our daily lives. I mean, I was talking to a guy about romantic gestures for long-distance relationships. And I mentioned that sending your woman money to take herself to dinner would be a cute one. And his response to me was... Would she send me money for a haircut? And I'm like, 
Okay, hold on. I understand that people want reciprocity and I am definitely a lover and a giver, but I felt that was a good representation of tit for tat romance. And you see it all too frequently online. Everyone is so afraid to give unless a return on investment is promised. And that's so unromantic. And even more, it's cowardly. Everyone is so afraid to throw the dice because these days they're afraid of being called a simp or desperate for showing affection. But fear doesn't beget love. Love begets love. And if you're too afraid to show it, you will never get it. And in your loneliness, you will devolve into one of these sick, sad people who spew negativity on the internet to make yourself feel better. Don't be that girl. Don't be that guy. Love is a risk worth taking. Getting your heart broken is part of the journey. I've had my heart broken. Anyone who says otherwise is lying to you and themselves. Don't let these silly posts and comment sections steer you into despair. There is love out there for you and you're going to find it. You know, there's this post I see from time to time on Instagram and I love it. It always touches my heart and I don't know who needs to hear it, but here it is. You still have not met all of the people who are going to love you. Once more, you still haven't met all of the people who are going to love you. And you know what? I get it. I get it. There are a lot of rotten people out there, but I feel like if you let that become the lens in which you see the world, you're going to miss your opportunity to see the good, the good people who are out there. That will be my message for Thursday. All right. And eventually I'm going to interview a therapist. I've been wanting to do this for a long time and just kind of talk about some of the things that are happening with these online relationships, the ghosting, the breadcrumbing. Let me know if you'd be interested in hearing that. I want to get a guy or something like that. So it's fair. And we're just going to be going through all of these dating mishaps and how you can arm yourself to be better prepared. And so it doesn't hurt as much when someone's not returning the affection. Cause I know that sucks. I've been there. I mean, I've experienced that. I'm telling you, I you know, my past relationship, I gave and 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 there was no return on investment. And I didn't really care at the time because for me, I was like, Oh, I just love you so much. I just, every time I'm at the store, I'm like, I want to get you this. I want to do that. I want to do this for you. And you know, when you see absolutely no reciprocity, you're like, Oh wow. You know, cause I get caught up into like a love cloud and I'm just so like, Oh my God, I'm living my fantasy romance. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, that's, that's the idea that you have of him in your mind. That's not who he truly is. I'm fantasizing about the idea of, of who I want him to be, not actually who he is. And I think a lot of us, you know, suffer from that. So we'll talk about our delusions and everything, but I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember rate, review. I love hearing your comments and thoughts on YouTube where I post the full length video of this podcast. I will see you guys back here next Thursday. Until then, have an amazing week.